0: Welcome to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast. On this show, we share Ginger's journey and speak with subject matter experts about a variety of dementia-related topics. Ginger, a former English teacher and librarian, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2019. This diagnosis has changed her world and has given her a unique perspective on life and living. I'm Krista, Ginger's son and full-time caregiver. I've created this podcast as a way to share the best practices I'm learning about caring for a person with dementia. Along the way, we'll document my mother's journey through her unique storytelling. You can subscribe to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast and find all the resources we discuss at LWALZ.com. In this episode, I speak with Sarah Lewin, the Volunteer Program Manager for the Michigan Chapter of Alzheimer's Association. Then, my sister Celeste joins Ginger and me to talk about memories of volunteer activities we've experienced together. Well, hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast. How are you this morning?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, great. I'm glad you could be with us. I'm wondering if you could tell us about your role as the Alzheimer's Association Volunteer uh, Program Manager.
1: I'm sure thing. So this is a newer uh, role to our organization here in Michigan. Um, And my role is basically working with our program coordinators across the state to assist them with volunteer management skills, um, how to have those difficult conversations. I assist all of our coordinators with the onboarding, the initial onboarding of our volunteers. So everything from initial application um, through their initial orientation and training um, and their background check and their confidential information and all that fun Mm -hmm. stuff. And then once they get through that with me, they actually move back to working with their, staff partners in their geographical location across the state. Um, But I'm also doing a lot of building some new programs, building our recognition program, putting together what we would call our volunteer benefits package for recruitment. Um, Also working with many community partners across the state to uh, get some inroads, open some new doors so that we have new locations and new places for us to recruit from.
0: That sounds like a large endeavor. How many volunteers are we talking about?
1: Uh, We currently have approximately 150 volunteers in programs specifically across the state of Michigan. Um, The majority of those volunteers right now are working as, uh, I'm sorry, um, caregiver support group facilitators across the state. Okay. The other half, um, I would say, or the other part of those folks would be our community educators um, that are working across the state in different locations, whether it's an assisted living facility, a library, a, you know, a Rotary Hall, what have you, where they can go in and present those education programs.
0: Okay. I've been reading that there has been so much need in caregiver support, so... I'm glad to hear that some of the majority of your volunteers are working on that issue.
1: Oh yes. Yes.
0: It sounds like a big one.
1: It is. And that's something that's very needed. It's that one time a month that those caregivers might be able to get out and get some respite for themselves um, and are able to really connect with others that are going through the same and or very similar situations. They have that outlet that they can They can talk to each other and they can understand that they don't exist on an island.
0: Right. That's great. Mm -hmm. So what kinds of volunteer opportunities are there?
1: So we have several different volunteer opportunities. So I personally represent our program's um, pillar and or what we would call care and support. Um, So within our care and support department, if you will, um, our top two uh, volunteer opportunities that we'll see out there are our community educators and, as I mentioned, our caregiver support group facilitators. Um, We, both of those, so our, our community educators, as I mentioned, will go out and do a number of different core programs that we have. Everything from the 10 warning signs of Alzheimer's and dementia to having conversations and effectively communicating with those with Alzheimer's and dementia all the way up to um, a a legal and financial program, Mm. a three-part series on um, living with Alzheimer's for caregivers in the early, mid and late stages. And we also have one as well for living with Alzheimer's for those living with Alzheimer's. So those that have disease. Okay. Um, But we have other um, types of opportunities as well. Um, you, You know, on our website, we'll see our community representative, that person um, would go out into the community, uh, assist with different health fairs, things like that, and help us to get into new locations again, maybe making some cold calls, going through their um, neighborhoods and their own communities, trying to um, rise interest in Alzheimer's education and support groups. Um, We have a faith-based position as well, where that faith-based position really concentrates on different faith-based organizations throughout the communities as well, um, hoping that we can get in there and really build that program by utilizing people from those congregations and communities to be those volunteers as well. Um, we have an awesome opportunity in certain parts of the state to for our early stage social engagement, which is a really really neat program. Um, we have that definitely in the greater Detroit area. Um, And we have some smaller programs on the west side of the state, but basically everything from a memory cafe where a group of folks, caregivers with their loved ones, um, just going to lunch together where they can talk, um, where we have programs where they might go to the art museum or the zoo and learn about one specific animal. And then they'll go off and do some projects around the zoo. Um, you know going to games basketball games hockey games things like that to get people out and about um, in the community and having fun with each other while they can
0: um, yeah Ginger and I just attended um, a community connect program nice. uh, for that social engagement with the Detroit Institute of Art mm-hmm. and did that virtually yes exactly. and that was that was awesome and um, my, my mom really got into it. Uh, not only the art and the education piece of it, which she 's always been interested, but also that social interaction with the other people and sharing the what do you we, cause we were doing uh it was all still lifes uh-huh. and uh so there were a lot of q and a about what do you see in this uh painting and what do you think that means, and you know all these different perspectives about what uh-huh. those things might be and uh you know ginger definitely enjoyed the the discussion uh, about what things were and had her own you know opinions and I think she really just lit up to be able to, you know offer something. I think a lot of the times she feels like she doesn't have much to offer and so this gave her an opportunity to you know do something in a group setting. It was great
1: right And that's why that program is so great as well because it takes that pressure of having a conversation where maybe, folks aren't remembering certain details to being able to discuss something and still spend time to each other and have that social interaction where the sky's the limit because you know art is subjective and everybody's going to see something a little bit different so it's a great way to get people talking and just even get into a conversation that is less stressful um you know there's it's fun so that i'm I'm glad that she loved that because it's, it's a really awesome program
0: And the fact that it was done virtually. So the pandemic, um, you know, has had a lot of negative impact on things, but this sliding things virtual um, now has opened it up so that we could attend, you know, over on the west side of the state, there was a participant up in the UP, um, you know, and so that, that was great. This is something that, you know, normally wouldn't have been available, Yes. uh, you know, to, to my mom or that individual in the upper peninsula so right and
1: that's and that's that's the interesting part about virtual you know volunteering and and for our volunteers at this point as well um because as of what march of 2020 when we went home for two weeks yeah uh, we're gonna go home for two weeks (coughs) um and we had to go from always having been in person never really ever doing virtual programming at all and within a few day period had to pivot to be all virtual. okay so we're, we're getting very good at it again um, because with the Omicron um, variant we've gone back to virtual volunteer uh, virtual programming right now um, until things calm down just for the safety of our constituents and the safety sure. of our volunteers. But same with our um, support groups, we were able to move a lot of our support groups to um, virtual. So in areas of the state where maybe it's more rural and they don't have one, people were able to join, as well as education programs. We had people from other states joining our education programs if they couldn't find them. So it made it a lot more accessible for our folks. Um, So right now, all of our positions that we do have as volunteers are virtual, um, but we are still able to work together via Zoom or Google Meet or however someone wants to work with us to get them onboarded.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's an unintended consequence that happens to be positive that we've all been kind of forced into this. Right. What right. is virtual and, you know, handling the various interfaces. Zoom is a common one, but, uh, you know, I've certainly used other platforms for the virtual you know, sharing and meeting. And, you know, it's uh, it's been how I've been able to, you know, stay connected with friends Uh, Mm -hmm. even though when I moved to Michigan, you know, I left a bunch of friends behind in Kansas city and now, you know, the whole virtual thing uh, enables us to, you know, stay connected in a way that is, you know, better than just a phone call and we can have a whole group and, you know, that's fun. And, and I saw it again yesterday when we attended that Detroit Institute of Art, you know, we had a bunch of participants and they were from all over and it went smoothly and it was a lot of fun and, you know, so that's great
1: yeah yeah so yeah that was that was one of our programs that we were like how are we going to do this virtually but you know the sky's the limit I think we're all working with that at this point um but some of our other volunteer program information in our other departments a lot of times may already be working working virtually so um we do have volunteers working with our um fund development folks um working on our walk to end alzheimer's Um, We have walk committees. Um, We have 26 different walks across the state of Michigan. Um, So there's a lot of different areas to get involved with where maybe there's not um, a lot of other things at that point. Um, And another position that we have another arm of our organization is our advocacy and public policy. Um, So we actually have volunteers all across the state that are advocates and advocate to our Congress people. Um, both on the local, state, and federal level, um, and a lot of that is letter writing campaigns, um, emails, tweeting, Facebook messages, things like that to um, our, our government officials. But there's also opportunity as well during some of that oppor- some of those times to actually, um, like our advocacy day, is actually go and speak to their local representatives to advocate for Alzheimer's and dementia research and different types of. Um, you know, our Alzheimer's unit and things like that across the state and within our state government.
0: That's great. So I'm sure that it varies based on the volunteer role, but if a person's interested in volunteering, what kinds of areas are you looking for, uh, people and to recruit? And then what kind of time commitments are involved for people who are interested in stepping forward.
1: Right, right. So right now we're looking all across the state of Michigan. Um, So we have a lot of areas that don't have any volunteers, you know, so we would like to get volunteers in those areas. Um, But so when we're getting people on our largest needs right now are educators, um, specifically for when we go back in person is having those in-person educators again, um, where they can go to a location and physically present that program directly to our constituents i'm always looking for more support group facilitators as well but if i were looking at our our top position that would be our our community educator at this point okay Um, now um, when we're looking at responsibilities and what types of people we're looking for um obviously if we're looking at our community educators we're looking for people that are confident speaking To the public also have computer skills in case we do have to go virtual and our presentations do run through um, a powerpoint and or a computer program so they would need to know how to use a computer how to hook it up set it up because we also look for our folks to be self-starters because our volunteers are going out on their own to the community to that location to do that presentation Um, our volunteers are just another extension of the organization So, you know, it's not, of oh, this person is paid and this person's volunteer. We're all a team and we're all trying to get out there to spread this information. So more people have the assistance through the association that maybe they never knew about. Um, Also with these positions, with both of the positions actually, um, with our community educators, we are also looking for them to help us tap into their own sphere of influence to see who else in their areas may be interested in volunteering. If they have friends that work at different organizations or companies that would be interested in having presentations in and getting together even if it's for lunch and learns or a lunch and learn series throughout um we do look for our um, volunteers to do that as well because we don't have very many of us across the state so i only know i mean i know a lot of people but really in the grand scheme the amount of people i know is really a handful so if we were able to tap into all of our volunteers and our new volunteers even if we all know one that's a an extra 150 people across the across the state, and then also looking at those different locations for um, having those trainings. Right. Now, when it comes to time commitment, um, the initial training um, for both of those positions, both community educator as well as um, a support group facilitator, it is about it's a probably about six hours initial training. There are four initial trainings that are orientation and uh, you know overview of programs and that ten warning signs of Alzheimer's and dementia, as well as understanding um, dementia and Alzheimer's um, classes that would have people take. At that point, there would be a background check and signing of a confidential confidential information um, policy, and then they would begin what we call their um, role-specific training, which would be the specific information on educating the constituents, educating the public. And then they would go through training and just getting themselves familiarized with the specific um, programs that they're interested in presenting. Mm -hmm. Once they've done that, they'll shadow a current presenter um, as many times as they feel they need to shadow them. And then they will do an assisted teach, if you will, or where they themselves are being observed either by a volunteer mentor or the staff partner to make sure that they feel confident in moving forward. And at that point, the sky's the limit for them to um, sign up for classes that we already have available and or to go back out into the community and find new locations and set up their own classes um, and getting that together as well.
0: So I'm curious for those educators, what kinds of organizations are they currently going into to give the programs?
1: Oh, gosh, we've had everything from, you know, educating Meals on Wheels volunteers um, because they're going and delivering those meals to Red Cross volunteers. We had groups of Red Cross volunteers that are opening um, emergency shelters if there's a flood, you know, and a lot of those places are assisted living Locations that end up in those shelters, sure. uh, but you know we have nursing homes and memory care facilities. Um, our area agencies on aging working through our RSVP or retired senior volunteers programs, looking at different civic organizations, um, you know community centers, anywhere that you can think of that you may see a even a what I would consider a wellness program. Um, so even looking into my own Elks Lodge to do wellness programs for our aging population and those of us that may be taking care of a loved one. Mm-hmm. So really, the sky's the limit. We are looking at all of those different locations.
0: And, and I can imagine you mentioned the faith-based person, but I, it would seem like the educators would have an opportunity even in some of the church communities because there's oh, such yeah. a large audience that's already gathered. And- Correct. So a, maybe a Sunday school setting where it's a group yeah. of, uh, you know, adults and seniors, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I could so, see that being and, and effective. And
1: usually with those, sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, I could just see that being effective in, you know, reaching a number of people who are already an established group.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and that minimum time commitment that we really look for after initial training is for our educators to um, present one presentation per month mm-hmm. and throughout the month to really be looking at those other locations. So whatever that takes, um, I mean, you can do as little as you want with that, figuring out how many places you want to reach out to, but we are looking for them to do at least one presentation per month. Okay. Our support group facilitators usually do one support group per month, and those support group facilitators really run their own show. A lot of times their names are on the flyers where constituents call them directly. They really build that relationship with those constituents that are coming in and those caregivers. Um, so once they build their build their group, you know, usually they stick with a Fairly tight knit group of folks that know each other that are continuing on with those support groups. Um, But they're always trying to gather more folks as well to their support groups because we know that there are many, many, many people across the state of Michigan over 190,000 living with the disease. So, you know, we should have plenty of need in those in those support groups as well.
0: So I'm curious, on the professional level, I know when my siblings and I were looking for assisted living from both of my parents, they both were diagnosed with dementia, uh, at you know, within months of each other, uh, we were looking for some facilities that had memory care as an option once the Alzheimer's advanced, and uh, even though they only needed independent living, you know, initially... Mm-hmm. And I've got to imagine that a number of the memory care staff have some burnout issues also and need support. Uh, you know, they're trained, they know what they're doing, uh, they've, they're, you know, in a career position to, to do that, but I'm sure that they still need uh, to have support from their peers and, and other people yeah. that are in similar situations. So, is, is there something specifically for professionals?
1: Not at this point. So our focus is mostly on the constituent themselves. So the person living with disease and or their care partner. Right. Um, I mean, I feel like there may be through other locations that aren't necessarily the Alzheimer's Association um, where they can do that. But um, unfortunately, that's not something that we have at this point.
0: Right. Okay. so I and like I was saying up front, I had been reading about how many people are out there uh, giving care for a loved one uh, probably in a home setting and feel isolated mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sometimes overwhelmed and you know the, so you know all the Alzheimer's Association is providing support through them for through the support number, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that a group setting, where you meet and know some other people that are in a similar situation. has got to be really important.
1: Right. And and uh, folks can find out where um, different support groups are in their areas. They can use that um, 24-hour helpline.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that number... Oh, I lost my number. Oh, I have
0: it. 800-272-3900. Yes, yeah, we've, it is. We've been... And they- <laughs> kind of pushing that number here on the podcast because it's such a resource. And, uh, you know, even if you go to the website, it, you know, you can find it really easily, but oh, yeah, I think I it. had no idea how uh, much resource was available just by making a single phone call and the fact that it's available 24 seven and you know, that's great.
1: And it's amazing. So, um, I have a tie to Alzheimer's because my grandmother had Alzheimer's um, and different types. She had Alzheimer's and a bunch of different types of dementia and Parkinson's and a little bit of everything. Oh, my. Okay. Um, And uh, it was early onset. So she must have been in her late 50s when it started coming on. And uh, so this was in the early 90s because she passed in 91. So it was late 80s, early 90s. And my grandfather was her caregiver um, Uh for a very long time. Um, and this was, you know, a typical 1950s. Fa- you know, father worked, mother stayed home, mother didn't right. drive, father took her to the beauty parlor, you know, that type of relationship. So for my grandfather to have to be the caregiver and not just the person that's providing all those funds to the family and that, that breadwinner, he was the caregiver. Right. Uh, and had these opportunities been available, I think his and my grandmother's journey as well as our journey with them would have been a different story. Right. I mean, everything from not knowing how much to feed her because she doesn't stop eating Sarah. I don't know what to do. You know, she can't remember when to stop. So that thing to having to pick out her clothes and having to go shopping for a woman that was dressed to the nines all the time and wearing like, clad and camo sweatpants and shirts that didn't match. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know what to do. So, you know, having that information would have been huge. And we're so lucky that we have that 24 hour hotline and all of our programs are listed on there as well. So anytime anyone calls that hotline or that, that helpline, um, you can ask about any uh, caregiver support groups in your area, any classes, any special events things like that. And that's available as well, as well as on our community resource finder, um, which we partner through um, AARP with. Um, oh. And you can just put in your zip code and that comes up uh, right away.
0: That's great. So what kinds of feedback have volunteers communicated to you about their experiences working with the Alzheimer's Association?
1: Our volunteers?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Um, Our volunteers, our volunteers come to us for a lot of different reasons, Um, you know, and right now, most of our volunteers that are coming to us have some sort of tie to the disease, Um, which I think once, you know, we start talking with people out there just in general, oh, my grandmother or my father, my aunt, my uncle, my brother, my sister have some sort of tie. Alzheimer's and other types of dementia. Mm -hmm. Um, So those folks come in, they understand that they're making a difference. They see those aha moments. They see that little bit of clarity in a world of blur because they don't know what's happening necessarily with their loved ones, but they're getting that education. They now know how if they are in a different situation and they are working in the public, maybe they understand how to work with someone better that maybe is living with disease how to have that conversation, Um, you know, how to, how to recognize those 10 warning signs that they didn't know before. So that's what we're looking at. And also if we're looking at our younger volunteers as well, um, most of our volunteers right now are, I would say, and, you know, we don't have a lot of under 30. If you look at our volunteer pool, it's a lot of other folks that are, are older and have had some more experience with disease, but our newer folks that are coming in as well, what we're also looking at is good brain health because we know what's good for the heart is good for the brain. So when we're looking at that, we can start targeting and working with a younger population because that starts early mm-hmm. you know at my i'm forty five I have to start thinking about, oh my gosh, you know, how can I start combating this before it ever happens? What can I do to try to prevent these things from happening? How do I keep my brain healthy? So looking at those types of folks as well, mm-hmm. but a lot of our volunteers have been here for a very long time. I have support group facilitators that have been here over twenty years, educators fifteen years. Um, so it just, you know, those folks that are going to come in and really get down and down and get their hands dirty in this in this field are are going to usually stay on with us, and then we work to build our folks that have been here and have the um, have the skills to help us become mentors to other volunteers Hmm. um, because I always feel that it's a great opportunity um, for that peer to peer um, education as well as that um, development as they move forward.
0: Right. Yeah. And I know how rewarding it is to know that you're doing something, making an effort on something that actually has some results.
1: Right. Right. And that's something that they can see here as well. Um, Even with our when we're looking at our um, advocacy folks, our people across the state have advocated for a state dementia unit that is finally in the state budget. It was signed in the state budget. So our advocacy volunteers have been working very hard at that. That is a tangible thing that they can see. We look at our research just even being part of this agency and this organization that we are really seeing strides for new drugs and new Treatments that are actually happening. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a lot of talk, 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 taco. Someday, someday. It's we did, and now we have. So it's it's really awesome. And I think our volunteers really take a lot of pride in knowing that that's that's. They had,
0: yeah, yeah, that they had a part in that. They had a hand, yeah, in making it happen. That's great. You're making me think, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) What can I do? So so how do people learn about um, and enlist in the volunteer opportunities?
1: Well, um, our application is an online application. So they can go to Mm -hmm. volunteer.alz.org and fill out. What they would do is create a profile in our program volunteer community. Um, Through that, they would be able to go in and submit an online application Um, Once in the system, they can click on all of the different position descriptions and um, what I call a blurb, if you will, about Mm -hmm. what types of positions are available. Um, They would submit their application that comes to me. Um, And then once it comes to me, I actually have our person in that geographical area that that person would live in um, do their initial interview to make sure it's a good fit for that area, what they're looking for. And then they come back to me for that technical stuff. As I was saying, that initial training, I help walk them through that, um, do any troubleshooting. And once they're done with that initial training, background checking, um, they go back and they start their other information. So it's fairly easy to to figure that out. And all of our positions are listed on our website.
0: Okay, so volunteer.alz.org.
1: Correct. And they can go there and that's where they would fill out the application. So that's the direct way to get there um, instead of going through the website and things like that. So Right. Mm -hmm. That's
0: great. Is there anything else that you would like the public to hear?
1: Well, I just think that this this organization is an amazing organization and our volunteers really are making a difference for people in the community. Um, people are leaving with more knowledge to care for their loved ones better, to bring home to the rest of their family, to make this journey, which is not an easy one, a little bit more bearable so that they can enjoy the time with their loved ones that they do have left. And then maybe they will want to get together and, and help educate others. So I think that's something that we all need to know that it is here. It's out there. We have trainings across the state all across the country um so it's definitely worthwhile checking it out
0: that's very great i i very much appreciate your time sarah thank you so much for joining us
1: no problem thank you for having me i appreciate it All right. It. be well all right thank you all right bye
0: Hi, Celeste. Welcome to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast.
2: Hi, Chris. Hi, Ginger. Mom. <laughs> and, and hi, Mom. Either one works.
0: <laughs> Either one works.
2: <laughs> I'll call you Mom.
0: So, Celeste, um, my sister dearest, my only sister. Um, your, best. your best sister. Your best sister. You are my best sister. Uh, I was recently talking to Sarah Lewin, who is the... Alzheimer's Association volunteer coordinator about volunteer opportunities for Alzheimer's Association how she coordinates those efforts recruits new people trains them etc and uh it occurred to me that Ginger and I mom and I have not had the opportunity to work with Alzheimer's Association yet as volunteers Uh, That's something we hope to do with the Walk for Alzheimer's and some other events that they have that we can participate in. Uh, But it did bring up the fact that Mom has a history of volunteering and has a Mm -hmm. new volunteer gig that we will talk about here also. Mm. So Mm -hmm. uh, you were telling me earlier that there was a volunteer situation that you and mom participated in together?
2: Yeah, and you know, mom, I'm pretty sure that this was volunteer. It was um, when I was in elementary school. I don't know the grades, but I, I remember this to be multiple times that we did this together, but. Um, mom was a um, public speaker mm-hmm. and um, mainly in Christian communities, a uh, public speaker for women's groups. Bible, Bible Study Fellowship and, was
0: the big organization that she started with.
2: Right. And one of the things that she was very popular for was what they called mother-daughter banquets.
0: I remember those. Do you remember those, Mom? Mm-hmm. What was a mo- mother-daughter banquet?
2: Where
3: mothers and daughters got
2: together to, to eat. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. But what what else would happen at those, besides eating? Well, they would be seated together. Mm-hmm.
3: And I I guess... It was, Would we talk about specific things? That's what I'm not remembering clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think so. That was the point of it. Mm-hmm. Was so that you, you, who might be a little shy about talking to your mother about a spiritual mm, experience, that this provided. Instead, at this banquet, Mm. a response to what the speaker had said and allowed the mother to talk to the daughter and answer some questions that she may or may not have had.
0: So it sounds like the point was providing an opportunity for moms and their daughters to talk about things that they might not otherwise? Correct. Okay.
3: Yeah, it's, it's... particularly um with somebody who's rather shy about the whole thing anyway mm-hmm. and um and so doesn't wanna just approach her mother with this huge knowledge that she's just been given mm-hmm. and um so anyway that's I think that's where it came from
0: mother daughter banquets, okay.
2: Yeah. And, and what mom's role was usually at these and um, my attendance was that mom was the, the featured speaker. Okay. And so she would have whatever the topic would be um, for the women and young women in the group. Um, I, the she, mom came up with the idea because I was an artistic kid um, and she came up with the idea for me to, to do the series with her because if all these other moms and daughters are, you know, it's an experience, right? That you do together. That's what mom was just explaining. So it was reflected in mom's concept as a speaker to have her daughter with her on stage and i would illustrate oh. on a big like you know uh newspaper post whatever size those, you call that right
0: those flip chart
2: the flip chart type right. yeah really large size i would have markers or whatever that i would have i would draw or illustrate whatever particular thing she was talking about throughout her her speech
0: okay so what kinds of things were you drawing
2: to be honest I don't even remember (laughs) 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 I just remember that um you know maybe there was like uh you know I I don't even know maybe it was about like talking with your talking with God or whatever. And maybe I would just do like a figure of somebody, uh, you know, okay. whatever, or uh, who knows what it was, but somehow we tied it all together.
0: Okay.
2: And I would, maybe I would do words. If she would talk about, here's three key things that you need to think about, then I would write those three key things okay. out. Right. This is before PowerPoint presentations, right. mind you. Yep. Right. Right. So I think that this was her way of uh, creative solve um, and involvement of me in the process.
0: So you might be putting up the main words.
2: Yeah, of the, I think so. Of the point. Or... Some of them were pre-done, from what I remember. I would like, I would have them set, and I would like stick it up okay. somewhere, and then maybe while that those words or that phrase was up maybe i would draw some sort of scene or something and then i would, you know yep. so it was just like something for something for the um mothers and daughters to to look at okay while mom was speaking I keep, think. People yes, yeah, keep
0: people engaged yes visually people engaged while mm-hmm. mom was talking okay
2: mm-hmm.
0: pausing for a minute there's a funny sound going on that i cannot find the source of do you have something rattly over there it's scritch scratchy. Maybe it's just when you're moving and it's
2: It might just be my computer. Move your I can change computers. Move
0: your uh earbuds. I think it's that.
2: Oh. Well oh, she's got her finger on it.
0: Yeah. But it was shuffling around. Is
2: that is that better if I just hang on to it then? It is. Okay. Okay. It was probably hitting my hair. Ah. Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it was just this little, it almost sounded yeah, like oh yeah, pencil is my scratching. Hair. Okay. <laughs> I will edit this out. And and like a lot of funny things, if I forget to edit it out, all the listeners would go, you didn't edit it out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this Oops. computer's um, speakers and like the sound in general, this is my work computer. It's really bad. So that's why I always have my headphones on for it. Ah,
0: okay, gotcha. Oh, the power of Zoom and mm-hmm. the uh, downfall of inferior equipment. Yep. So you were illustrating and engaged with what mom was doing
2: mm-hmm. at
0: a young age because you were just elementary. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this was happening. Oh, yeah. Was I out of the w- I wouldn't have been out of the house. Maybe I was just that oblivious high school teenager.
2: Yeah, I mean, because let's say this was like for me, maybe fifth grade, sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So you were a junior or a senior. So you right. were definitely checked out. You didn't care what your sister was Probably doing not. or whatever. So
0: sorry, Celeste.
2: <clears throat> oh, it's not a big deal. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a mother daughter banquet anyway. No, it's right. just something that mothers and daughters do. you know, that's so not like you were invited. I <laughs> think I would
0: at least be aware it was happening. You know? Like these days, as an adult, I'd go, hey, Celeste, how did that go? Yeah. Right. We'd have a conversation about it. In those days, I really wasn't thinking about anybody else. <laughs> no. <laughs> Quite you're honestly. You're a teenager. I Why should you? Very, Every
2: teenager is uh, thinking about themselves. Yes. I was,
0: <laughs> I was worried about fitting in. Yep. So. Uh, so did you guys do any other volunteer stuff together? did, or did she ever help any of your endeavors in theater for instance
2: I probably should have had this prepared oh, that's ahead okay. of time
0: because I, I know that for instance uh, mom volunteered to help with a class reunion that I was part of mm, arranging or organizing with my fellow classmates uh, and then I needed people to like take you know payment at the door and check everybody in get the name tags you know to the right people and tell them what they were doing and all that so Mm -hmm. so she was part of that as were uh, jp and stacy so that was nice i i remember that there were times that mom just got involved to
2: help out yeah yeah and that was probably like i'm the third kid and by the time i came around she was (laughs) maybe not so involved in like my particular school stuff um because she was also working right so you know i think she was pretty busy but uh, in regard to theater uh, i don't i don't know she was always I mean, she would volunteer to come to my terrible productions in school, (laughs) if you call that volunteering, I'd say. (laughs)
0: Yeah, she volunteered to come to one of my Gamelon concerts that I had when I lived in Kansas City, Mm -hmm. and uh, I was very excited about it because it's an Indonesian orchestra uh, made of metallic, mostly metallic percussion that are toned, and uh, it's very much not western music i mean it's it's its own thing and uh, at the end of having volunteered to sit through the performance she said well that was an experience i don't think i'll be doing that again <laughs> <laughs> and we had had one of our best performances i mean it was really quite good by you know the standards of doing gamelan in the united states cuz i mean if you see gamelan done in bali or uh, java i mean just completely uh amazing musicianship we were good we were not that amazing but we had a good solid performance and she was just like nope not into it
2: (laughs) not for her Not for her well i do you know the other things that i remember for um volunteering you know and, and maybe there there were times that mom had us involved in it um was i you know i remember grandma tunes great grandma toonster was involved in um who did she make all the quilts for Oh, mel trotter mission mel trotter mission mm-hmm. um so i think there was probably a couple of times that mom had us participate in whatever you know, connection to Mel Trotter or mostly I think our volunteer things had to were revolved around church Mm -hmm. opportunities. I agree.
0: I know she volunteered to do some of the theater programs that that, the
2: She directed the the shows. Right,
0: directed the shows for the holiday uh, shows. Yep. Yep. She
2: directed the Easter show. Okay. So I remember because I was also in that. You remember doing that, Mom? She was the director.
0: You remember having a whole bunch of kids and musicians and stage and props and costumes, and you coordinated all that?
3: Pat me on the back, because maybe that'll help me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You did a lot of stuff, Mom. Like you, yeah, she was the, she volunteered for the, and this was always a big production each year at Calvary Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Was the Easter show, and um, at this time, I don't know. It was when Calvary Baptist Church was actually in Ottawa Hills High School.
0: Okay, right. Oh, that, and it had that very large theater with an and orchestra And we had the pit. very large theater. Yes. Yeah, that was that was quite the auditorium. It still is mm-hmm. quite the auditorium but
3: yep yeah and, i don't remember and, any of that mm.
0: and and uh, it was mm-hmm. interesting because i went to ottawa hills high school and right. i because i was so involved in the band program i spent a lot of time in that auditorium both rehearsing <laughs> and performing and then to show up there on sunday was just like okay here i am again i pretty much <laughs> live
2: mm-hmm. here yep exactly every day yeah, but mom, you, you you directed that show one year. I don't know what year that was, but at least it was one time that you actually had a big role in, I don't know if it was directing or assistant directing, but you had a large role in making it happen. Mm-hmm.
0: I'd hmm. say that would have been around 1980. It was before yeah. I graduated high school.
2: Yeah, and I had a small role in that too. I remember hmm. some, you know. Bear being barefoot in some shaggy like peasant costume thing, whatever (laughs) it
0: is. (laughs) Wow, Um, that was 42 years ago.
3: Well, think about, add me to the group. Well, I know. (laughs) I was gonna say, of course I wasn't ready to be 80 either.
0: Well, that just happened, didn't it?
2: Just happened.
0: Yeah, gradually. (laughs) creeps up on you
2: gradually suddenly Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: that's how it Mm -hmm. feels Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Uh, so yeah i was saying that mom got a new volunteer gig um this was actually my partner's uh idea Bronwyn said hey you know you've got that assisted living facility that's right down the road from you and i mean it's literally you know it's a block away Mm -hmm. and uh i bet there's something she could do there that they would appreciate and she would feel useful because mom has complained about, you know, in her her retirement years, she's reading, she's doing some gardening, she's watching TV and she's like, I just wanna do something useful. And uh, so I contacted them and said, um, hey, Ginger would love to do something uh, of use that would, um, you know, be good for residents and also activate her. And so we, uh, after some discussion, we are now scheduled to go and uh, do reading to uh, some of the residents that are in the memory care section. Yeah. So we we're going to start yesterday, uh, but they had a, something happen during the day that mm. uh, kind of mixed that up. So we'll actually start next week, and Mom will read, and it will it's a, like a conversation starter, a little bit like that mother daughter banquet. Mm-hmm. Um, They have the material for mom to read, and then that's supposed to be a conversation starter, uh, mostly about what the residents can remember from their own lives uh, that's related to what you read. Hmm. So that should be interesting. Mm -hmm. And I know you've been a little anxious about it. Yeah. Because you kept (laughs) asking me, what am I going to read? How do I prepare? (laughs) And I was like, it's okay, mom. They got it. They got you covered. That's
2: that's that's probably her like being used to having to create all the material herself through the years, right? Yeah,
0: no, it's definitely that teacher mentality. I need to prepare my lesson plan. What's what material am I going to use?
2: Yeah. And I mean, the other things that she volunteered at through the years is is library work, right? Right. Like even before before or after she held the role of media specialist um she she you also provided your services to the library in like you know book sales Mm -hmm. or um you know the just organizing in general type work right right
0: yep and last year we um volunteered I say we, mom volunteered and I tagged along so that I could be a support and get her there and all that. Um, but we volunteered with the organization MAME, which is actually MAME forever because it's all the retirees from the MAME organization has to do with media specialists, Mm -hmm. media educators. And, uh, so they had a librarian, over in Lowell, who needed a bunch of books uh, moved so that they could do a revamp for the library. And there we were. We volunteered, I don't know, four or five days for that. That was a big project. Mm-hmm. I remember being tired
3: <laughs> every
0: day because there was a lot of well, and we putting were s- books in boxes and carrying the boxes.
3: Right, and, and I don't know if you remember this, but we were sitting on the floor in the linoleum floor, and it was not—it was not comfortable. It
0: was not always comfortable. You're right. Yeah.
2: MAME stands for Michigan Association for Media and Education. There you there go.
0: You. Thank you, Celeste. You're welcome. Thank you, Google.
2: How did mm-hmm. you memorize that? I didn't. I just read it from, <laughs> from my screen. I just Googled it and, and looked it up. Look, Michigan again association for media and education that's it. that's
0: it so so yeah mom you have a history of volunteering and i know that you like to help i it's, do it's one of your big things like how can i help
3: mm-hmm. and
0: sometimes you get a little frustrated when i don't need help
3: <laughs> or want mm-hmm. any. or want
0: any. <laughs> yes sometimes when i'm making dinner i really don't want help i just want to do it And sometimes they have you do some of the things. Rarely. Yeah, that's probably fair.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's been some neighborhood things, too, that I think you um, volunteered to support as well. Well, the
0: block party, I think, was one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember one year um, where you volunteered your house on Thanksgiving as an open house to the neighbor's. That was the weirdest Thanksgiving ever. Do you remember that, Celeste?
2: I don't. Huh. When was that? I don't it either. It was.
0: It was here um, at the house, and oh well. Let me let me back up one. Mom and I went to a writing group together for a short bit over at East Grand Rapids Library. I don't know if you remember this, but there were a bunch of. Uh, mostly women, mostly retired, who were doing this writing series. It was some poetry, some short stories, you know, that kind of tr- writing about your life, that kind of thing. And we wrote mm-hmm. about the holidays. And mom wrote about this nontraditional thing that she had done, which was this open house for the neighborhood on Thanksgiving. And I wrote about Thanksgiving and how I liked the traditional, and our mm. our two our two stories were like opposed to each other. You know? She's like, let's mix it up, and all the all the ladies in the group were like, "Yeah, Ginger, that's a great idea. I like that." And I'm like, just shaking my head, going, "No, please, just turkey and gravy and traditional, and don't change it."
2: I need to be safe. I want it
0: to be the same. <laughs> it was hilarious. So,
2: Who was invited? Everybody every, on the street? Everybody
0: on the street. And there was like a invitation that she you know ran down to each door earlier in the week, and mm-hmm. a window, like two to four, stop on by. Mm-hmm. and she had a bunch of finger food set out and some drinks and that kind of thing, and people came in and out as they could, based around mm-hmm. their own family Thanksgiving schedule. And um, we never had turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy because it wasn't part of that Thanksgiving <laughs> format. So I didn't, like, I didn't like it much.
2: Oh, it just didn't happen? It, it wasn't no, in addition to? That was wow. it.
0: We were all there oh. as a family, but with the neighbors coming in. It was strange.
3: Okay. Well, that was the okay. whole point of the thing, though, was that that particular street had very little mixing together right mm-hmm. mm-hmm. people go
0: to work and come back home and you yeah kind and so of don't we didn't see really
3: other. feel like we knew anybody on our street mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so this kind of broke that and said you know we're all gonna do something for thanksgiving and some people carried their own stuff in mm. and mm-hmm. we had our stuff that we added to it
0: mm-hmm. um, it was a little bit of a, like a potluck almost yeah yeah I, you know, looking back now, older, more mature, <laughs> <laughs> I can see it's a great idea, you know, to, to mix, uh, mix it up and have people engaged with each other from the neighborhood. But at the time, yeah, I was, all, all I was focused on was that our regular sit down, laugh about old family jokes and the like, you know, cause the conversation was different with neighbors coming in and out the food was different mm-hmm. the neighbors coming in it wasn't the same mm-hmm. so that was
2: but I think mom has always been the person to extend herself to the community right. whether it's in volunteering or not a very outgoing personality who is concerned about you know she. It's, what's important for her is connection it right. seems that's the through line for mom's life is you know connecting through experience
0: yep. agreed
2: whatever that is so every time and we she's go always, shopping
0: together she will be talking yeah. to anyone she can
2: <clears throat> right <laughs> yep she wants to help people because i know that like even we we would walk and i find myself doing this now too but it's rubbed off on me a little bit um <laughs> is um you know even when she would come to New York to visit she or or if you're even in, in Grand Rapids and walking around, mom would, she sees people, she's reading their faces mm-hmm. or she can, or maybe they're doing something and maybe they have a little bit of struggle or a pause or something and she'll go up to just like inquire and see if she can help yep. in some way, whatever, <laughs> even if like it was, totally off base and they didn't need anything of the like, but Mm. that's just what, you know, she can read that there's something happening just by looking at people's body language or face or something. And, um, you know, because of where I live and I'm by the park so often, I, I often see tourists around and they'll pause. They're like next to their bike or they have their maps out or their phone they're looking at. And I'm nearby and I, I asked, do you need any help? And I wouldn't have normally done that, but I think I saw mom always, you know, doing that often enough that that's right. kind of rubbed off.
0: And that's not the stereotype that New York residents get. Well, and get, then that's the right. other
2: thing. I think most of them say no, because they're freaked out that a New Yorker just asked them if they needed some help. Right. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. You, you brought the Midwest right to New York. That's right. Yeah.
2: That's right.
0: Yeah. No, you're right though. Um, and, and she's reading the situation to, you know, even if it's just noises. I mean, I I was scooping out the litter box the other day and she could hear the noise from upstairs. She pops downstairs, need some help. Like (laughs) cleaning the litter box. Um, no,
2: (laughs) I don't think you want to help. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. A very helpful person.
3: Sometimes a little bit too much. And your dad used to say, "You can't say, help everybody in the world."
0: That does sound like Jerry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very pragmatic. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. He was always thinking about. Gosh, they probably think she's crude. You know that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think he was concerned about. It was, you know, upsetting somebody or Uh making somebody feel uncomfortable or whatever. And you were just like, whatever. But, you know, his dad did that a lot. Pardon? Going Mm -hmm. up and talking to people. So I think he wasn't a big fan when Arnie did it. (laughs) And, you know, Arnie was definitely a person to go up and talk to anybody about anything Mm -hmm. to start a conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, right. that kind of rubbed off on me. I'm I'm a little bit more like that than dad. Dad gave that gave yeah. him the jitters.
3: Well mm-hmm. and he he still was very kind. Yes, absolutely. Dad. And very mm-hmm. generous. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Very generous. Yeah. But he wanted you to do it in a very nice way. Yeah. <laughs> so that
0: right. the-
2: or a very yeah, very like uh On the down low Mm -hmm. kind of way. That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He was helping people all the time. And it usually was quiet, as you say, Celeste. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. he didn't need any accolades. He just, you know, he would seek out the ways to help. And sometimes it was Mm -hmm. just to show up and support.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, Just the presence. Right.
0: Traveling cross country to go see a cross country meet for his niece. You know, (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) right. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah.
2: Yep. Yep.
0: So oh, great. So, um, I'm looking forward to the volunteer opportunities that we have going forward. So, if
3: I hope I get my de- my dates straight. Uh,
0: that's that's my job, Mom. I make sure that you're all set to go out the door at the right time, and we get where we need to be. So, right. And then you can show up and. Do your magic.
2: Do
3: your thing. <laughs> do my thing. Yeah. Okay.
0: Great. Well, thanks Celeste for joining us. That was fun. Yeah. We thank you. Thanks a- for having around me. a little bit with old memories. Mhm. And thanks, Mom.
3: Oh, you're welcome.
0: I appreciate you. And so do a lot of people.
3: Oh, well, thank you.
0: All right. See you.
3: Thanks, Mom. Yep. Love you all.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Living with Alzheimer's. Please visit the Living with Alzheimer's website at lwalz.com, where you can subscribe to the show and find all the resources we discuss in podcast episodes. We'll see you next time on the Living with Alzheimer's podcast.